Welcome to Unsung Heroes with Johnny, Daniel, James, and Sam. Our goal is to leave no hero unsung. Welcome to the Unsung Heroes podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm James. I'm Daniel. And I'm Samuel. This week, we'll be talking about Thomas Clarkson. And Thomas Clarkson was a well-known abolitionist at his time in Great Britain during the abolitionist movement phase, but he was relatively overshadowed by William Wilberforce. So I want to bring Thomas Clarkson back to the forefront to where I think he really Mm. belongs uh, alongside William Wilberforce. So we're going to talk about some amazing things that he did and why I think he is definitely an unsung hero. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he is an unsung hero if he's been like overshadowed. I feel like that's definitely an aspect to being unsung, right? If you're overshadowed by somebody else. Yeah, definitely. it's one of those classic, like, you know, the sidekick doesn't get as much recognition, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows Armstrong, but what's about Buzz Aldrin? The Buzz Aldrin, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of reasons for this. Of course, I could go back and you know, blather on about the history of why this is the case. But part of it is in our popular conception today, there's a lot of media out there about Wilberforce, particularly. I mean, I'm thinking the movie Amazing Grace. It's a great movie about... Uh, the man, William Wilberforce himself, who was an instrumental part of the abolition movement, partially because he was a member of parliament during that time. Mm. So, you know, politics are really interesting, right? So you get a lot mm. of back and forth and the, the drama is much easier to build up. Whereas I think Thomas Clarkson, because he wasn't involved in the political side of the abolition movement as much, um, it doesn't make for maybe as a compelling of a story initially. Yeah. Well, you know what I think? Uh his name wasn't as cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, doesn't, have the, like, think, doesn't have the force. Yeah, the, think the about force. that. His name is Wilbur Force. I, I, <laughs> is that is that like is that two words like Wilbur Force or is it like one thing together? It's one word together. It seems like a, a name made for a movie or a TV yeah. screen. It really is. In some ways. This summer, Wilbur <laughs> Force. <laughs> it was probably it was probably like, hey, you heard of those two abolitionists? Clarkson and Wilberforce, and they were like, I don't know the first name you just said, but Wilberforce was awesome. <laughs> it literally left hold on, hold my on. mind. Who's that Wilberforce fellow? <laughs> hey, so so James, how did you uh, come across this guy? Yeah, good question. So uh, I've been extremely busy. I don't know about you guys, but um, exams for my master's program are killing me, and I didn't have a ton of time to prepare, but I took a great course in my undergrad on the Atlantic uh, slave trade and the whole process there. I got to read some great literature and some great books Mm -hmm. on history on the topic. And so I feel like I have a little bit more of a comfortable, um, shall we say, background in the topic. Again, that's a very small amount relative to an actual historian, but I felt a little more comfortable in this area. And plus, abolition is an extremely interesting topic. I wanted to mention this to you guys. Our political environment today is filled with political movements. I feel like every Everything right now is involved with creating a new um, movement of some sort, whatever political side of the political spectrum you're on, wherever you are politically. Our political life is often characterized by these kind of grassroots, get the people involved, get a movement going, hand out flyers, make things viral. That's Mm -hmm. a huge part of our political process. But what we actually don't realize is that the abolition movement was the very first of its kind. Oh, well. And what I mean by that is even the idea of, for example, getting pins, you know, we have little pins with uh, political slogans or, or different candidates we put in our shirts. Uh, that kind of thing began during the abolition movement. It was an incredible time in history in which uh, people in, in grassroots levels were getting involved in a humanitarian 
push that involved all aspects of society. So I just think it's a really fascinating thing to dive into. And I'm really excited to highlight for you guys a really important figure during this movement. Of course, it of course as, as a, a movement that involves a lot of people, it, it's not just one person. And I think to say that Thomas Clarkson was the man is, of course, an overstatement. It was hundreds of thousands of people all involved in this whole movement. Yeah. But he certainly was a spearhead of a lot of the anti-slavery movement in right. the mm-hmm. colonial British What's era. the time period again? Yeah, so he was born in 1760, and he lived for 86 years, so all the way oh, into wow. the, yeah, the mid-1800s. I think so he has a record now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so an, oh, another yeah. another person who lived into uh, to old age, and yeah, he definitely beat the record. I think the previous record was like 72, so he yeah. Yeah. smashed that out yep. of the park. Yeah. So, sorry, Dicey, but... I know. Yeah. 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 Didn't have as many kids, though. That's for sure. So. <laughs> I think yeah. I think it'll be a while before she gets beat on that one. So. <laughs> if, yep. if ever. I mean, if ever, honest, seriously. If, if she does get beat on that one by somebody that we talk about, it, probably their act of he- like heroism will be the, the amount of kids <laughs> having, they've the had. Of having 23 kids <laughs> yeah. would yeah. be the act of heroism. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and dive in, guys, if you're yeah. willing. And oh, we'll yeah. We'd love it. to yeah, hear about absolutely. it. All right. I will briefly set the stage for you guys. But again... I could talk for hours about the historical context of the abolition movement and what was going on in the world. Yes. (laughs) So I won't. But needless to say, the slave trade, if you look at databases for the number of slaves that were being taken from Africa and put into places like the North Atlantic region, it reached its height at about the 1770s, 1760s era. Um, Before then, this previous centuries, it kind of matched the general trend of, of the exchange of goods and services. But at at the end of the 18th century, it just reached a massive uh, amount of human cargo being transferred across, unfortunately. And it was just a really tragic time. And um, And this was so... So to which areas was this like europe mainly is you're talking about no it actually varied so europe actually there there were much less slaves overall that were taken from africa to europe of course it did happen but most of it was the colonies now again there Mm. are multifaceted reasons for why the slave trade happened the way that it did in the chattel slavery that developed in europe in this time period Um, but a lot of it was driven by colonialization because they needed labor they had a system set up where trade was extremely profitable. One myth about slavery um, in the Atlantic slave trade was that slaves were really cheap. It's actually not the case. Slaves were very expensive. Um, but it, mm. as a result, because of the distance you had between colonialists who were very involved with the slave trade, particularly in the South and mainland Europe, it created this incidence in where um, the Europeans, or particularly British people, did not have as much exposure to slavery as people would in the colonies. So I think sometimes we often ask ourselves in in our world today, we look around and see the terrible things that are going on in society and we ask ourselves, you know, why can't we just stop these things? Or why aren't more people aware of what's going on in different issues? And I think we often look back at the slavery, the period of slavery and this time we think, man, like how could they have let this stuff go on? But you have to remember that the people who were actually hands-on involved in the slave trade itself were usually slavers... The, the captains of the ships and their crew, mm. and then the people involved with the actual process of transferring uh, the slaves themselves. And that was a relatively very small portion of the population. Yeah. So yeah. again, we, we think about this in our context today, and it makes more sense because, you know, we think of the injustices going on around the world and we think, how are these, let, how are these happening right now? Well, most people aren't involved in it. It's not in their face. I, I wonder during that time how much the average person knew about the slave trade in general. 
Uh, well, especially one of the yeah, one of the goals of the abolition movement was to put this at the forefront, and one of Clarkson's hmm. goals we'll see was to make this an issue for people, put it in front of their face, not let them have the excuse of not really knowing what's going on. Even though in Britain, obviously people were you know a lot more racist in general in this in this era, um, right. and they had very you know wrong attitudes about race in general. But I don't think British people, the sentiment I get is not really that they liked slavery. They kind of were a little bit distasteful towards it, but it was kind of this, oh, that's just the thing going on in the colonies or it's yeah. going on down in Africa. It's it's kind of, out of like, sight, out of mind. Yeah. I feel like we have a ton of issues today like that, that, that we may say, oh yeah, no, that's, that's wrong and no, nobody should do it, but it's happening and I'm not doing anything to stop it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's yeah. different too, because, you know, because of the internet and everything, we have a ton more knowledge about things yes. that go on in the world that have absolutely no effect on us. Yep. So, you know, how much mm -hmm. more so for back then when, the, you know, a lot of people don't even know what's going on. So, yeah. so, so what you're saying, James, is uh, in Europe, particularly at the time, there were people involved in the slave trade, but the majority of people weren't involved with it. And so they might not have known that much about it. Right. And yeah. so... The abolitionist movement was trying to make people more aware of it. That was definitely mm. part yeah. of their goal. I, I think, again, people, people, there were slaves, obviously, in Britain. People understood this. There was this hierarchical level of society where, you know, slaves are less than everyone else, obviously. But the general sentiment among people was, eh, this is kind of, we don't really like this. This is gross. We feel like this is wrong, but... You know, we'll keep it away from us. It's like, not really a British problem. It's also, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. too inconvenient to try to take it away. Certainly. You know? yeah. And that probably is in the minds of a lot of people. And plus, there was a lot of economic investment. Again, a big debate surrounding the abolition movement in Parliament particularly was, okay, yeah, it'd be nice to get rid of slavery, but that's the way that human society has functioned for its entire history all across the world. And that's a lot of money. They were yeah. very worried that their society would collapse because of the economic downturn they would experience. And partially because, I read a great book on this, but other European nations, they would outcompete them if they could still use slaves and Britain couldn't. So there was the, the moral, you know, battle going on there as well. But so let's, that poses a very interesting moral question. And I think we know the answer to it about slavery, but there's other things we still need to think about. And this is the question. Uh, things that are morally wrong, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't just accept them because of the finances of it. Right. Right. Yeah. We okay. can't take like, the pragmatic view. Everybody, yeah, everybody right. can agree. Okay, yeah, sure. Slavery was great for the economy, but it's not worth it. I mean, think about how horrible it was. Mm. It, 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 no matter how much money anybody's making off slavery, it still shouldn't happen. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a lot of, uh, I'm looking at you big businesses today. There's a lot of things, <laughs> there's, a lo there's a lot of things you guys do that, you know, maybe aren't as bad as slavery, but they, well, maybe some things that they do are, but I don't, you know, yeah. but, but, uh, <laughs> but my point is you do a lot of things that aren't great, but you say they're fine in the name of money. Right. And to put this in perspective yeah. though, Johnny, it's an interesting point. Um, interesting stats about the slave trade. Most captains of slave vessels only took about, on average of all the known captains, 1.5 voyages in their lifetime. Because of how extremely dangerous hmm. the trade was, but also because of how extremely profitable it was, they could basically make their entire life's fortune on one successful voyage. Dang, wow. man. That shows you the – imagine crazy. the incentive. Think, okay, yeah. I get through this one time, get my hands dirty, do the deed. 
I can make a living for several years off one voyage. Yeah. And th- again, we, we think, man, that's ho- horrible. But I mean, again, there, there's a lot of moral issues here, but also think your whole livelihood might be dependent upon the slave trade. You don't want your kids to starve. You don't want to be in poverty yourself. There's a lot of temptations pulling you away from doing what's right in this instance. So it's, it's important to remember to put yourself in the context of the people living at the time, I think. Yeah. So we'll, mm-hmm. we have a great discussion to keep having, but I'm going to go ahead and get into Thomas Clarkson's life because we, we built this up, I think, in a, in a great way right now. Yeah. So let's kind of put so, our mind, minds in that, in that stage and we'll go on from there. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us. Um, so you told us he... He was born, uh, which year was he born again? Yeah, so he was born to Reverend John Clarkson, who was an Anglican priest on March 28th, 1760. So this is, again, before America was getting its independence. You know, it was getting a little dicey here and there, but, you know, still had the colonies (laughs) at the time. Uh, So, you know, Clarkson or Thomas Clarkson was um, a bright little boy, went to um, Wisbeach Grammar School. And then 1775, he went to St. Paul's School in London. And then eventually he went to his undergrad at St. John's College in Cambridge. So um, like his father, Thomas really wanted to go into the church. He was a devout um, Christian, and he really wanted to continue on this path. But during college, an event happened that would forever change the course of his life. So essentially, he's finishing up his degree. He wants to keep going and, and starts getting ordained to become a deacon of the Anglican Church. But then he entered an essay writing competition. And apparently he was an incredible, good, incredibly good student, but he wrote an essay entirely in Latin for a Latin essay competition. Oh and he picked the topic, or it, the topic was given to him. Uh, it, it was in Latin, but it basically was, is it lawful to enslave the unconsenting? Wow. And Imagine that was the that topic. <laughs> yeah, Imagine so, the person who assigned that to him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the Latin education back then was a lot more strenuous than it is for us now, obviously. But this man was just a brilliant writer. Apparently he was excellent and he wrote a very good essay. But what he had to do essentially, because he had to write this essay, he was pretty much ambivalent toward the issue of slavery at that point in his life. But when he actually had to do research for this essay, he got so involved in the process and his mind began to just be tormented by the things he was learning. And he began to realize Mm -hmm. after having wrote this essay oh my gosh, like, I don't think this is right. And yeah. his essay, again, was excellent. So he won the award, um, but he began to be convinced in his mind that being for slavery was not the morally right position. Hmm. And a lot of this had to do, obviously, with his faith and Christian convictions. And he knew that what this this whole system in and of itself was corrupt at the core. And so at one point, he's traveling between Cambridge and London, and he writes this in his journal, which I wanted to read this to you guys real quick. But he says... Um, As it is usual to read these essays publicly in the Senate House, soon after the prize is adjusted or adjudged, I was called to Cambridge for this purpose. I went and performed my office. On returning, however, to London, the subject of it almost wholly engrossed my thoughts. I became at times very seriously affected while upon the road. I stopped my horse occasionally and dismounted and walked. I frequently tried to persuade myself in these intervals that the contents of my essay could not be true. The more, however, I reflected upon them, or rather upon the authorities on which they were founded, the more I gave them credit. Hmm. Coming in sight of Wade's Mill in uh, Hertfordshire, I sat down disconsolate on the turf by the roadside and held my horse. Here a thought came into my mind, that if the contents of the essay were true, it was time some person should see these calamities to their end. Agitated in this manner, I reached home. This is in the summer of 1785. So, so from this moment, right, he dedicates his entire life then to ending the slave trade. So that 
this is this is something that brings up an interesting question as well, which is that um, I think there are plenty of people who would have come to the same conclusion as he did if they were given the same assignment. Mm, and yeah, there were yeah. probably there were probably a lot of people who lived their lives not thinking much about slavery and just, you know, going on about it. And if they were given the chance to do this kind of research, see the facts of it, they would have said the same thing as him and maybe taken up the abolitionist cause as well. I mean, it's, it's important to, to remind you guys, like, imagine if someone came today and said, you know, our system of... Um, you know, income inequality. No, I mean, I not even know. that. Anything. I'm saying something that's been there for all of humanity. Like the fact that we have meetings, that is just awful. And you think <laughs> to yourself, we've had meetings for all of humanity. What's wrong with that? Right. Well, again, remember, slavery had been a integral part of every human society for all of human history. It, it wasn't something that you thought about on a regular basis. It's easy to let your mind kind of you know, put it to the side, forget what's going on, out of sight, out of mind. So you're kind mm. of right. When he actually is confronted with the realities of what's going on, particularly in this slave trade, which had ex- accelerated to a level that was not known before, it's, it's easy to see why uh, that could change somebody's mind for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So Sam, yeah. as, as our local literarian, uh, <laughs> have you ever had a writing assignment that changed your, <laughs> changed your life? You know, honestly, <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I, I feel like there are times where I go into a specific writing assignment or just in general, and I might be ambivalent towards the topic in general, but as I start going into it, like the more I get interested, the more I... I read and research about it and then suddenly I come out of this and I, it's suddenly a topic that I really care about and suddenly have a strong opinion on just because I've gone through the process of researching and studying. So, I mean, I really relate to um, what Clarkson has done here. I mean, obviously not to the scale of uh, talking about the abolition of the slave trade, but I, from a smaller scale, I, I definitely have been able to relate to this. And Do you, uh, do you have any like specific examples uh, or... You know, I'm trying to think of specific ones. So, um, so nothing like super life changing, right? No, not too life changing. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I probably for like a weekend, I got all into it and then uh, forgot about it. <laughs> you're, you're pretty established in your beliefs already. Yeah, I guess so. You could say. So after um, he had this uh, sort of essay conversion, James. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah, to get it, no need to downplay the the religious influence there. Yeah, he had strong faith in Christ, and that really also influenced his convictions. I think he really was convicted. He later described it as a spiritual experience rather than just a intellectual one. It involved, I think for him, both his heart and his mind um, being drawn into compassion for what was going on. And uh, again, it's it's hard to really talk about everything this man did, but I'll try to kind of give some basic patterns for how he lived. But after this conversion, if you will, to the side of anti-slavery, He published his essay in English in 1786, and that made some pretty big waves. So a lot of abolitionists and different abolitionist groups, like the Quakers, who are a religious group as well, Christian um, sect, they were really influenced by his works, and they approached him saying, you know, hey, let's try to make something happen out of this. Let's do something together. And they came to him like... Hey, we don't like slavery too. You want to <laughs> team up? Combine powers. We're strong. Collaborate. Yeah. Make a yeah. video. Something. Avengers <laughs> assemble. <laughs> Basically, I mean, honestly, guys, if there was a Avengers team during the abolitions <laughs> movement, it would be this group right here because he formed Clarkson and the Quakers. <laughs> <laughs> well, somewhat. It, it was the first. He was one of the first twelve founding members who formed the Committee for the Abolition of the Slave Trade. You might have heard of that. That was the big committee. 
that was it was a non-denominational group that basically tried to lobby members of parliament to abolish the slave trade. It, it, it had people eventually associated with it, like um, Equiano. You had um, William Wilberforce also gets involved with this group. Whoa, and Wilberforce, so, that's a cool name. <laughs> we should make a movie out of him. <laughs> that's great to know. Yeah, so Clarkson is actually the one who approached Wilberforce, sorry, that name, Wilberforce, and got him involved in Parliament because he was mm. one of the few people in Parliament at the time who had Quaker sympathies. Interesting fact, the Quakers weren't allowed to hold office at the time, so oh, they weren't very mm. well liked among that portion of society, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. So Clarkson then worked for the committee to and it's basically his job was to gather evidence against the slave trade. And he traveled, you know, tens of thousands of miles across for during his lifetime, all across Britain and other places as well, gathering information on what was going on in the slave trade and the evidences that pointed to its injustice. So at one point, for example, he went down to Liverpool and because there was so much opposition to what he was doing there, he was almost killed in an ambush by a bunch of paid sailors um, because a lot a lot of the um, slave trading at the time, a lot of syndicates and businesses were centered around that town. So mm. he's almost ambushed at one point. Um, but later he, he gave a big speech at the church in Manchester. This instigated a lot of support for the anti-slavery movement. He published a bunch of essays. In 1787, he published a summary view of the slave trade and the pro uh, probable consequences of its abolition. Um, for two years, he traveled England and would just investigate. He'd go on slave ships. Um, apparently, he interviewed, according to one source, about 20,000 sailors during his oh time. Wow. And the one thing that he would do that was interesting is he would take stuffs off the ships that was used on slaves. And then he would use them as like visual aids or demonstrations during huh. his speeches. Wow. So, so, so he would, you said he, he interviewed sailors. Mm -hmm. Was it? Was he trying to find sailors involved in the slave trade? Yes. Basically, he was okay. trying to find people. He also interviewed people like surgeons, for example. Usually, most most slave ships would have a surgeon with them because, again, the, the you know I say in quotes the cargo or the slaves themselves they were very valuable assets. So they would try to at least have a bare minimum of you know health care yeah. for them for, to keep, yeah to, to make keep... sure they they stay alive through right, the voyage right. yeah. oh, right. but again they also so they, they had a you know there's a lot of balancing act going on they also wanted to make sure that they were as demoralized as possible oh and my. as unhealthy Gosh. as possible without permanently damaging them i mean for example uh clarkson would take stuff off the boats one thing he would take is this is a very common instrument if you've you've seen history channel they did a thing uh, on roots they redid the movie series roots and they have a great um a great episode demonstrating the horrors that was going on but they would have a little machine that they would stuff inside a slayer's mouth to force his mouth open oh so that they goodness. would they can make him eat food basically oh um, so he would actually take those tools and just kind of as a powerful reminder to people of what was going on he'd show them to people as he spoke he would give them visual things to hold on to that was a very big change uh, usually public orders didn't do this kind of thing back then again clarkson was one of the people who first got this information out there um at one one instance he actually goes on a trade ship now this was a trade ship that wasn't actually a slave ship that actually had slaves in it but he goes on a trade ship and he finds a ton of really nice materials and trade goods that were made and designed by Africans. 
and he was just blown away by how incredible the artwork was and how nicely they were designed and the sophistication involved with their creation that he took a bunch of that equipment in a box with him everywhere he went to show people. He's like, look, we're enslaving people that create beautiful works of art like this, you know, and he wow. would show them a tapestry or textiles or different kind wow. of goods. And he's like, these people are as brilliant and as uh, thoughtful and as sophisticated as us, you know, why would we be enslaving them? So that was one of the visual aids that he would use. So honestly, that... um that's so funny that you bring that up. Over the past week, I've actually just read a book um, by a novelist. I think his name is Achibi. I'm, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but he wrote a book called Things Fall Apart. And um, the premise of that book is basically um, setting it in an African village and explaining all of the traditions and rituals of the African village before it gets colonized. And by the end of the book, you get to see how um, English... Uh, colonists come in and basically transform the culture and without giving away too much of the ending basically you witness how they completely misrepresent the culture and uh, transform it into like in their eyes this primitive um, this primitive place when throughout the entire book you've seen this um, you've just seen how they've they've had a, actually a highly complex culture with a bunch of traditions and rituals. Um, it's a fantastic book, really interesting, uh, really mm. hard to read in uh, a lot of ways. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, just justification of those things is like un, just an evil characteristic of saying, oh, what I'm doing is okay because, you know, right. the yep. people or whoever I'm treating are actually not that human. Or yeah. it's, And a lot of these ideas came out of the Enlightenment too, this idea that, well, we are so sophisticated and we've had so much progress scientifically and, and with our culture. Um, so that, in, in, in essence, makes us better, right? That was, the, that was the mentality of a lot of Europeans. So when they looked at other cultures that appeared to be, on the surface at least, um, you know, quote, primitive, right? There was this idea that, okay, um, that means they're inherently worse than us. Right. Yeah. So th this is a very common mentality. That's why Clarkson used these kinds of um, visual, aid, visual aids because he's like, yeah. look – we, we say we're so sophisticated, yet they're also creating the same kind of complex, incredibly designed art like we are. I yeah. think at a certain point, they had to make the argument that they were less sophisticated just so that they could keep slavery. Right. Like they, yep. they had yep. to yep. hold on to that to justify it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems and to it, be a sad reality just throughout history that to right. mistreat another person, you have to almost look at them as second class. Yeah. And of course, of and that ways. happens time and time again. Um, so I'll, I'll go on through, I'll skip a bunch of stuff. He, he did, a, again, he does, does a lot of stuff. He speaks so often, he travels so much and he gets really, he just gets burnt out. So, so he puts so much effort into this by nine, 1794, he has to take a break. He has a lot of health issues. He has a physical breakdown. He burns out. He goes on a long vacation. Wilberforce gives him a stipend and he kind of goes silent for several years. And this also was during the time when, uh, you know, France kind of is having a bunch of stuff going on with Napoleon. Uh, England gets into you know big conflict. All of Europe is kind of in a big war. And so any hopes of the abolition movement gaining more ground is pretty much dashed. Again, kind oh, of like man. World War One with women's suffrage, right? So the, the war hits, you know, things kind of take a backseat for a while. And then after the war, we'll bring it back up again. This kind of happened with the abolition movement as well. Yeah. So he... This was so he was in his 30s at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And he, so he had been mostly like traveling and talking about slavery, trying to talk yes. about the abolitionist yes. cause. So, so you're saying he got burnt out 
from that, like from yeah. the traveling. Yes, I mean, the, imagine not just travel. Like we think traveling today, oh, we're doing a lot of driving. You know, no, he was riding on horse, walking, trekking through. You know, all kinds of weather conditions, speaking publicly all the time, interviewing thousands of people. I mean, it just gets exhausting. And he was, you know, he had extremely uh, fervent attitude, and he had a lot of passion. So that's just incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't imagine the amount of times I don't do some sort of service, whether it's like you know, going serving at some sort of shelter, just because I don't want to give up too much time of, you know, oh, I've worked all day, mm. I've come home, mm -hmm. I just want to have dinner and watch a movie, sort of thing. You know. Yep. Yeah, people like him are just out horseback riding, going here, going there for just days yep. on end to the point of getting sick over it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I love I, one thing I love about this podcast is we're just able to really look up to some of these people. And again, you know, Clarkson was not a perfect man by any means, but it's really inspiring to see the kind of sacrifice that he exhibited. And it, it's in a way, it's a good reminder mm -hmm. for us. You know, sometimes we like to complain and get down in our circumstances, but there are really some amazing things we could be doing. I think right. I think Clarkson represents the type of person that we we think or we wish that we would be if we were in his situation. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we yeah, we yeah, we yeah. think if if I was alive during slavery, I would do everything I can to end it. <laughs> and he's yeah. actually so uh, for a lot of us, I don't think that's completely true. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of us yeah. might end up like a lot of people in England at the time who didn't think about it a lot, yeah. didn't care about it a lot. But Clarkson's actually doing that. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, and I mean, think about how many things are going on in our day and age today that we're not, you know, killing ourselves over because we're trying to change it. So yeah. Right. yeah, and I think yeah, it's just inspiring to yeah. hear about this guy who, even just from like honestly one homework assignment he had, it, it changed, <laughs> it changed his views so much and his conviction so much that he dedicated you know so much of his life to this yeah, now your homework assignments matter guys yeah. it could be good That's and true. again it's it's a great point you know i laughed because i don't think most of us would really have been this kind of person in that time period because everyone today is like man i'm just i just want to go back and fight against slavery right we all think we would but i think one thing that setting this time period has taught me is humility you know and realizing yeah. you know we're not we're not really any better than the people back then in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we would be in those same circumstances that, you know, always provide quote, good excuses for us to not do these kinds of things just like mm. today. So it's true. I mean, yeah. there, there are, there are plenty of injustices today. We, we like to think that we are so much more, uh, civilized today and better society today. <laughs> right. There are so many injustices today as well. And, and I think, Someone like yeah. Clarkson is so inspiring to yeah. help. Well, one thing we studied on this was there's actually possibly more slaves today than there were during this time period, numbers-wise. So... Even though it's it's illegal in every single country in the world now for the first time in history, you know, even North Korea, slavery is illegal. But there are probably more slaves today than there it's were. Still, at still this happening. Time. Yeah. It's so wild so, to me. So <laughs> well, I'll keep going on here. Um, I have a couple more things here. Uh, so after the war with France, again, he takes a break. He gets married to Catherine Buck. Uh, they had one son named, named Thomas in 19, or, sorry, 18, this is, sorry, 1776. Little Tommy no. Jr. Tommy Jr. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Jr., yeah. Sorry, I got the year there her, wrong, her, His first word was Wilberforce. Wilberforce. <laughs> <laughs> and Thomas Clarkson was like, you say that again one more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so well i'll skip forward some years 1804 after the war with france um the abolitionists totally redouble their efforts they go at it full swing 
Uh, again, uh, Clarkson gets on his horse and starts at it again. He travels all over Great Britain trying to garner support. And what, then finally, what year is this again? This is 1804. So, so he's yes. he's 44 at this point. Yes, he is. So okay. he seems like he's returned to it with renewed vigor. And then in 1807, the Slave Trade Act is finally passed, which officially ended the slave trade. So again, this is not ending slavery as an institution, but it does end the slave trade for Great Britain. Interesting thing about this, if you look at the databases of this, again, this database of slavery that was going on, we have records of this, the number of slaves that were traded hikes to a really high number right before uh, or right after this is passed because all the people know, oh, it's about to stop. So like, let's, this is the last yeah, voyage we had. And then after that, it's a remarkable. The number just plummets to zero in a lot of hmm. cases. Again, this is not wow. the same. Latin America is different. The Caribbean and those regions are different. A lot of countries are still practicing it. I think Brazil has slavery until 1880, you know, way later. But at this point, this is kind of like the domino. Once this domino is hit, it just creates a tidal wave and eventually uh, other countries start following suit. So, so this isn't, so so like you said, this isn't ending slavery. It's ending the trade. It, the it's trade. it's right. making it illegal to go and capture slaves and yes. bring them. Yes, that was a huge part of it. So again, after this point, all slave voyages, we actually still have some records of slavery happening. Again, limited records because it's illegal, but there were some slaves that were traded afterwards, but it's dramatically lower than it was before this. So the United States also follows suit and they stop the trade as well. Of course, the United States doesn't really have an ability to enforce this policy. So it kind of still happens in a lot of ways. But um, even after this though, Clarkson continued to keep campaigning, campaigning to end it in the whole of Europe. So he actually moves to Paris in 1814. He tries to help make an international agreement to abolish the slave trade. In 1823, he travels to support the Society for the Mitigation of, and Gradual Abolition of Slavery. And uh, eventually he and Wilberforce for the last time came together to lend support to an ultimate and final abolition of slavery. They're like, you know, let's just end this thing all together. And then in 1833, the Slavery Abolition Act was passed, and this was what brought upon full emancipation. And by 1838, all across the British colonial empire, uh, slavery as an institution was now abolished. So wow. he, again, <laughs> and even even after this, <laughs> yeah, clap, give him a Please slow clap, clap guys. Yeah. Everyone just, yeah. Even yeah. after this, the um, Clarkson didn't stop. You know, he still went and he went to advocate against American slavery in the in the South. So he even was so convicted about it that he was like, "It's not enough to abolish it in my country." Right or, or yeah, at this yeah. point, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my country, I've got to go to America and wow. yep, abolish what it there a legend. Too. Wow. Yep. So that's actually what he did. He continued to campaign, and you know he kept living. He lived till 1846, and when he was 86, he died in Playford, Suffolk. And so again, he's an unsung hero from my perspective because he kind of is overshadowed by a lot of these other figures in abolition. But he he did garner a lot of respect and people honored him afterwards. You know, there's actually a town in Jamaica that's named after him. Uh, oh, there's, wow. there's a, wow. there's a small wow. statue or it's not small. It's a fairly large side statue in, uh, in London, you know, near, near where he went to school. Um, also I noticed there was a sonnet written in his honor, but it's not a song. So it doesn't count. He's still unsung. <laughs> so yeah, again, I could go more and more, but that's really that's basically the story wow. of, of Clarkson. So what so do you know more? I, I don't know uh, how much we know about this, but what he did in America after he after he went to the yeah, South. I'm not sure how often he actually traveled to America. I know he probably did a couple times, but 
again, remember, it's, it's really not easy to get to America at this point, um, you know, ship, you know, traveling across the Atlantic and all. But he did advocate against it in Britain as well. You know, he would write pamphlets, write essays, give oh, speeches. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. And it, yeah I, I didn't know the details of that, but he was involved in that process from various locations. So okay. I feel like part of the reason why this guy is an unsung hero in many ways is because um, from how you've explained it, James, he, he seems to be doing a lot of work that's just in its nature behind the scenes because mm. of his writing and right. uh, kind of the travels. It's not something that's going to be necessarily in the spotlight. Is that well, a lot of our, yeah, again, he was giving public speeches. He was known, but a lot of um, what survives in history is political. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you ever listen to history podcasts, you read textbooks, you, you know, listen to brief overviews of a nation's history. It's very much centered around politics. It's True. centered around the elite, those in charge, those who are making big decisions. And because Clarkson was not a political figure necessarily as much as Wilberforce was, he kind of was overshadowed. Also the, the very early book written about Wilberforce's life um, was written by somebody who kind of just you know, brushed over Clarkson. I won't mm -hmm. get into that that now, but Clarkson was kind of just left out of some of the early history books and, uh -huh. you know, kind of got, you know, thrown under the bus, if you will, <laughs> by, <laughs> by some later historiographers. So again, there, there's a lot of history behind that. And of course, if you're a historian or you're somebody who knows the history of the abolition movement pretty well, you probably know about Clarkson, but definitely in the popular mindset, we don't have a very good appreciation of him. Yeah, I think another reason for that might be and and also something that kind of sets him apart from some of the other heroes we've done so far is that there's not like one specific event that he did, one specific right. thing that he did. He did um, a lot of things, but it was like spread out throughout his lifetime. You know, like some of the other heroes we've done, like with uh, with like Dicey Langston, like she did that one thing where she went and told her brothers in the night, like you know, yeah, the and single so, that's the single defining like, moment, right? Yeah. Whereas this guy's like, I, it's still like. It, uh, I think it's hard to like say, oh, he's a hero for this, but we don't have like a one. I mean, we know like, like obviously he was a great abolitionist, but there's not like a single event that we can point to. Yep. Um, Except for yeah. writing a good paper, right? <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> great essay in Latin, no less. Yeah. Oh so. my gosh. Yeah. I yeah. bet, I bet when he, like when his teacher gave him the assignment, he was like, when am I ever going to use this in my real life? <laughs> <laughs> Typical my, millennial. Mitochondria is the power. <laughs> what is that going to help me with? How is that going to help? Bunch of millennials, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, that, yeah, that's the story of Thomas Clarkson. I hope you guys enjoyed learning some about yeah, him thanks, and a little James. bit about Thank abolition you, today. Yeah, I think, you know, it's super inspiring just to hear about somebody who was so passionate about about this kind of injustice, uh, passionate enough to dedicate his life to to ending yep. it, you yep. know, mm -hmm. um, and raising awareness. And I think that also, I think we downplay the importance of awareness, like the importance of of a movement of people Just being educated. Just yeah. Yeah, yeah, being like not like like you said, James. Some of the issue with people not rising up against slavery was that it wasn't in their face that much. Yep. Maybe they didn't like it, but they didn't yep. know all the facts. They didn't yeah. care that much. So to have somebody actually rally everyone together was what was needed for parliament to change yeah. the law. We are creatures of habit and of culture. We like to do, for the most part, what those around us do, to be frank. And until you get a small movement and a culture that is created 
it's not going to gain much traction. You know, you really right. have to kind of have a movement where people feel like they're part of something and it becomes their culture. It becomes weird to not be a part of abolition, you know, and that, yeah. that's a very powerful effect on people. You know, as, as much as we hate to admit it, we really kind of are shaped by our culture. I mean, we can't well, escape it necessarily. So, I, right. yeah. I, I think it's also just a testament to how powerful uh, spreading awareness is. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that, yeah. spreading awareness among people will change laws like yep. it, yeah. it it does have exactly, the power yeah. to do that so yeah. ev- everyone go tell your friends about the unsung heroes podcast to where it gets <laughs> yeah. weird we to need not to create to this podcast. a movement needs to- <laughs> let's create this movement the moral of the story is yeah let's yeah yeah yeah. way to make it about ourselves it's not exactly like- it's not exactly a social injustice i don't think it's really fair but- to compare ourselves to abolitionists yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. what are you talking about samuel what are you- <laughs> yeah, yeah. no 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 <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks to everyone for listening. If you've made it this far in the podcast, that means you are a true fan of our podcast. And I just want to give, I want to give a very genuine thank you to you for listening this far. Um, we had a great launch to our podcast. Whoop, whoop. This is uh, this is episode five. And so yes. um, hopefully by now we're retaining a few people from our launch who's still listening. <laughs> Mom, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out something. Uh, so James's dad listens to the podcast, and he yes. pointed he he pointed out to us about our Dicey Langston episode. We got a couple things wrong. First, first of all, she probably could have made it back by breakfast because if they would have given her a horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. We don't know for sure, though. I mean, maybe yeah. they didn't have a horse to she spare. She just looks maybe. over at the horses, and brothers are like, just, "No, like, just, just walk." Just yeah, imagine the it. scene of the brothers like, "All right, yeah. well, we'll ride off." Enjoy the walk. <laughs> yeah, I think that brings up a good point. I mean, there, this isn't. We're not historians. We're gonna get yeah. tons of things wrong. We're gonna overgeneralize things. We're not gonna understand the depths of something. So, if you really, please, if you have any suggestions, if you have any notes or comments or things you want to correct us on, we are totally welcome and would love to hear you guys' feedback. So, please, you know, leave us a note or let us know. Absolutely. And yeah. we would love uh, if you if you go over to our Instagram or our Facebook page. Please give us a comment, uh, give us a couple likes, give us a comment. And if, if, you have, if you have an idea for an unsung hero, maybe yeah. somebody from, uh, from history that you know of, maybe even somebody in your family uh, <laughs> who you think is an unsung hero, who, who is somebody that we could actually research. But who didn't live during World War II. No. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. If you have a suggestion, please give, give us a comment and we will, we will read those. We'd love to... Uh, We'd love to take take some suggestions from you guys, and uh, you know if we do if we do end up making an episode about it, we will definitely give you guys a shout out for that. And so uh, now on to the song for this episode about Thomas Clarkson. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> yes. very nice, very nice, very very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear the song, lad. <laughs> He's got a Cockney accent now. Eh? <laughs> okay, all right. We just lost all of our British audience. <laughs> Unsubscribe. We are so sorry. Uh, but so for this song, actually, uh, so James's sister Abby is coming into town for Thanksgiving. That's right. Uh, and I think we're gonna try to get her to to, oh, to sing for the track. Right. She's quite talented. Genius. Yeah. She she is really yeah she's a really good singer. Um, a- Abby Gilbert. Look her up on. Instagram. She's on a lot of things. She's on, yeah, follow her on Instagram. She's a really good singer. And so we're going to try to get her on this track. Uh, So, what I'm trying to think what kind of song we might be able to do for this. What do you think, James? 
Man, we've we've taken some turns, haven't we? Our <laughs> our last song, which I I yeah, absolutely the, loved, it was, was very Vietnamese themed. <laughs> uh, not exactly, but you know. <laughs> so who knows, man? We could go anywhere with this. I like the idea of doing totally different genres every single time. Yeah. So. What what I think might be appropriate. I know we've toyed with the idea of doing like a pop sounding song, but honestly, for this episode, I don't know if that would be. Appropriate, just yeah, because, just just because, I think the I, the topic of slavery is more somber. I mean, there yeah. you know pop ballads. There are some more dramatic. I'm thinking dramatic style. Yeah, pop ballad. You know, who knows? So, what whatever the case, we will figure that out in the next few days. Lay down a track that's going to play right now. So for you listening, you have the pleasure of just getting it instantly. So there you go. <laughs> Instant gratification. No need to wait. Yeah. All right. So we just want to give a big thank you once again, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. How can I sit on this essay? I can't fight, but I will write. Conviction is moving my heart and my mind aren't shaken. I can't ignore. Can I be silent while they are unfree?
Till I hear broken chains ring out I hear broken chains ring out